to let me know Should I stay or should I go If you say that you are mine I'll be here till the end of time So you got to let me know Should I stay or should I go You're going to be singing that song the rest of the day now. That's the question that keeps coming to mind uh, uh, time and time again as I read through the Bible, especially in the Gospels. Jesus preached and he taught and he healed, but he always left listeners with the decision, should I stay where I am or should I go with Jesus? Should I stay or should I, should I follow Jesus? Last week, we started this series, Following Jesus, and from now till Easter, we'll be walking through uh, the book of Luke, catching a glimpse of of Jesus' ministry, culminating with his death and resurrection. And through this series, I I want you to to picture yourself there in the crowd, or or, uh, on the lake, or, or on the hillside, or in the city, or walking the dusty roads with Jesus, listening to his teaching, uh, uh, seeing him heal the sick, watching him perform miracles, but... But this has to be more than just an observation of Jesus. We we could come into church and just listen to facts about Jesus, uh, facts about his life and ministry, uh, just observing things. But observing isn't following. Following Jesus means changing directions, right? Shifting from where I've been going and instead now walking with Jesus where he wants me to go. So throughout this series, you'll have the chance to answer the question, should I stay or should I go with Jesus? In what areas of your life is he asking you to trust him and follow? Last week, we followed Jesus into the wilderness, right? And we learned how to face temptations just like Jesus did. Uh, you and I have the same resources that Jesus had to, to face temptation and, and to resist it. Well, after Jesus came out of the wilderness, uh, he, he started preaching and, and healing and, and, and teaching, and he seems to have gotten quite a following in just, just a chapter. <laughs> um, and so today, we're, we're just in the next chapter in Luke chapter 5, but we find Jesus on the shore, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and and the, uh, the crowd is getting bigger than ever. So Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, uh, the, the, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and, and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and, and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, 
left everything and followed him. Simon Peter and his buddies, James and John, had been out fishing all night. Uh, As they were cleaning their nets, they watched with bleary eyes as as Jesus, this teacher that that they'd already met, uh, had had even hung out with him some, uh, and he's he's gathering this crowd kind of by the shore, and they're washing their nets just kind of watching what's taking place. We need to pause right there because I think this story doesn't make a lot of sense to a, to a lot of people because they, they feel like they can't relate to it because it's, it's almost like Jesus walked up to these strange fishermen and said, hey, follow me. And they just said, okay, and they just went. And, and it doesn't seem to make much sense, but, but that's not exactly what happened. This, this is not the first time that Simon and his, and his partners had met Jesus. We know from Luke and from the other Gospels that, that uh, Simon's brother, Andrew, had, had first introduced him to Jesus. Uh, they, had, they had heard Jesus preaching. They'd followed him around. They'd, they'd seen him heal people. I mean, just a few verses before that, if you, if you look back up, you see that, that Jesus has, had been in Simon Peter's house, and he'd actually done the unthinkable. He healed Jesus' mother-in-law. Oh man, now that's a problem. No, I'm just kidding. So, so, so they, they, these guys are doing their job. They're, they're cleaning their nets and, and Jesus is, is teaching and, and he's being pushed back further and further toward the, toward the water. The crowd is getting bigger and bigger. And, and finally, uh, he asks if he can use Simon's boat for a, a stage of sorts, right? And, and so, uh, here's the first chance that Simon had that day, uh, to, uh, to decide whether he's going to follow Jesus or not, to decide whether he was going to do what Jesus wanted him to do. A pretty low-risk request, right? But Simon's uh, busy with his job. Now Jesus is kind of infringing on that. He says, hey, will you, will you kind of push the, the boat out a little? I'm going to use this for a, uh, for a platform. And so Simon agreed to that, sure enough, and, and it was, I, I guess I picture the perfect amphitheater of sorts. Jesus is out a little bit in the water, they've anchored back down, and, and the people are gathered around. I, I, I haven't been to uh, the, the Holy Land, I don't know where this was, but I'm picturing kind of a, a, a low-rising slope in there, the people are all kind of gathered, and Jesus is at the, the bow of the boat, and, and he's teaching, and I don't know if it was for 10 more minutes or two more hours or, or somewhere in between, but, but when Jesus was done teaching, uh, he, he turns to Simon specifically, and, and for some reason, he, he tells him to go fishing. And again, we need to know this isn't some rando guy now that's telling Simon what to do. Jesus had already built up some credibility with these guys. But what he's telling them to do went against everything they knew about fishing. Every, everybody knew that fishing on the Sea of Galilee was best done at night and in relatively shallow water. That's where their nets could reach the bottom and have the potential of, of getting the most fish. And, and that's what these guys had been doing literally all night and literally with zero fish to show for it. Jesus is telling them to go out at the wrong time of day, in the wrong place, at the wrong depth in order to go try to catch some fish. It went against common sense. It went against common practice But Jesus told them to do it, and so here Simon Peter has another chance to decide whether to follow Jesus' directions or not, but this time the stakes are higher. Should I stay doing what I'm used to, or should I go with Jesus? Sometimes we need to follow Jesus, not because we understand, but because he said so. 
If you have uh, kids or, or, or grandkids, nieces, nephews, whatever, have they ever gone through the why phase? Anybody testify? Anybody? You know, I don't know what, what age that is. I, my kids are too old now. They just don't talk to me anymore. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, I, I, what is it, uh, age two, three, seven, somewhere in there, they're, uh, they're, they're always, you give them an answer and they say, but why, but why, 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 why? And, and it just, it, it can get pretty, I mean, it's great that they're inquisitive and we want them to know and we try to explain and all this, but it, it can get pretty aggravating sometimes. Now, when our kids were growing up in parenting, we always tried to, to help them understand why we were asking them to do something, right? And, and trying to give them uh, the, the, the reason why, so the rules would make sense and they'd be more motivated. And uh, we'd try to explain it and, and those things. And, and we did that, but, but I don't know, today, maybe, maybe this, is, this is some controversial parenting advice. I don't know. It's, it's being broadcast to the world, so uh, maybe I shouldn't, but... Can I just say, sometimes a very valid answer, parents, is because I said so. Sometimes because I said so is enough and it's okay. Kids have to be okay with that because because sometimes they just won't understand, right? We can explain it till we're blue in the face and they just aren't ready to understand. Or maybe the urgency of the matter dictates that they just need to obey right now. I mean, you need to do what I say or you're going to get hit by a bus, right? I mean, it's, it's just they've, they've got to understand. They've just got to do it. Uh, they, over time, kids have to develop that trust that their parents might actually know what's best so that they follow those directions even if they don't understand. And at times, God may call you to follow him in something that seems hard or foolish, and you might ask why, but let me just say today that you and I need to be at the place, need to get to the place where we're okay with because God said so. And that's okay, and it's enough. Peter could have said, and I, I know I'm embellishing here, but I'm thinking all of these things could have and probably were going through his mind. Jesus says, hey, go out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter may, uh, you know, responded in, his, in his, the brief comment that we have in scripture, I think all this is embedded in there. But Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. That's not the way it's done. And I'm tired and we're all fished out. And I just got the cotton picking necks clean for heaven's sakes. And now you're wanting me to go use them again. And, and my wife and, and her mom have this big picnic plan, thanks to you, because she's feeling so much better. Thank you very much, right? And, and, uh, and, and what, are you, what are you telling me, uh, to, what you're telling me to do doesn't make any sense and it's inconvenient and it goes against everything I'm used to and I'm telling you it won't work but because you said so I'll do it it was a chance for Peter to answer that question to decide should I stay or should I go and he went not because it made sense but because he trusted Jesus enough not to lead him astray and because he trusted Jesus miraculous things happened in what areas of your life is Jesus asking you to trust him and follow? But God, it doesn't make any sense. People might question me. It's, it's stretching me. It's inconvenient. I, I don't understand. God, you don't understand. You don't know how things work down here. I, I mean, all of those things, most of those things might be true. But if you are developing faith in God, you'll follow anyway because you trust him. God, because you said so, because you said so, I'll do it. 
I'm not sure what's going on, but but because you said so. And, and when you do that, be ready to see God's power and presence unleashed in your life. I'm not saying you'll catch a bunch of fish, <laughs> but you'll see what God wants to do in your life as you follow him, not just follow what makes sense to you. So we read the story. Peter uh, led his crew out into deep water. Uh, uh, the fish literally jumped into the nets. The boats are starting to sink. The, the, the fishermen are, are astonished. Uh, the word in, in Greek could be translated stunned. They're just like, you know, deer in the headlights, kind of fish in the headlights, whatever. Uh, and they, they, uh, they, they were, they were amazed. They were stunned. They were astonished. Jesus had certainly gotten their attention. In the wake of it all, Simon Peter was, was, was convinced of his sinfulness in all of this. He falls down in the middle of all these flopping, uh, squirming, slimy fish, and, and he, he repented for heaven's sakes. This is a picture, I think, of, uh, of what can happen in our lives as well. First, first God calls us. We're just hanging out, minding our own business, doing our own thing. God calls us to put out a little from shore. Not a big ask, not too life-altering. Everything's good, feeling good with Jesus. And then he calls us to go deeper, to put out into deep water, to not just stay in the shallows. But when, and then when we obey and, and we go deeper, he surprises us with amazing things, but, but we also realize in the midst of it that how unworthy we are to be where he's taken us. As we get closer to God, we see our own sin more clearly because there's such a discrepancy between us and him, right? When, uh, when, when people encounter God throughout scripture, there's always, uh, at some point, there's this same response as Peter's, woe is me, I think in, in Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a person of unclean lips and I live among a people who are unclean. We see our sin so much more clearly the closer we get to God. A couple weeks ago, on, uh, we had our uh, Ash Wednesday service, and it's the, the time when we contemplate our own mortality, the, the fact that God has formed humanity out of dust and will return to dust someday. It's a time to, to think of our sin and our need for forgiveness. But in, in contemplating all of that, it emphasizes more and more to me, not just the, 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 my uncleanness of sorts, but the depth and enormity of God's love and his grace. We're just dust, but God still loves us. We're sinful, but he offers forgiveness. Uh, I, I can identify with Peter on that sinking boat out in deep water, surrounded by flopping fish as he knelt at Jesus' feet. Uh, you can't possibly want to be here with me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. How could you want to bless me of all people? But he does. He loves us enough not to let us stay where we are in our sin. He invites us to follow him even when it doesn't make sense. And, and here, as the story progresses, we see uh, the, the, the real turning point in these fishermen's lives, right? Verses 10 and 11, the end of 10 and 11. Don't be afraid, Jesus says, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their nets up on shore, left everything, and followed him. From now on. Those are... Um, from now on moments, I think, are, are kind of few and far, they're, they're significant in our lives, right? They're, they're just a few in our lives. From now on, everything changed when 
this. Everything changed when my whole life turned when I did. Jesus is calling them to a from now on moment. Everything, everything is going to change. It's a time when you decide I'm following Jesus and everything is different after this. That's what Jesus is calling these guys uh, uh, to that day. The the tired fishermen in this low-riding boat surrounded by their biggest fish, they had a decision to make. Should we stay? I mean, there's a lot of fish here and we can make a lot of money. This is what we would love. Or should we go with Jesus? (laughs) And they went. They they, they went from, uh, literally, the, the progression in this story. They went from the shores to the shallows, right? And then they went from the shallows out into the deep. And then they went from the deep into a lifelong adventure with Jesus. They became disciples. Over the years, I've enjoyed, we've done video series uh, here. Uh, I, I think it's called uh, that, that the World May Know. Ray Vanderland is the guy. And if you've been a part of those things, uh, he, he gathers a, a, a group in the Holy Land and takes them around to different places, uh, archaeological places and, and places that have significance in Scripture. And he'll teach uh, from the... Uh, just uh, in, intriguing to, to watch those. And, and I've learned so much over the years watching uh, what, as it opens up the Jewish customs and the, the things that would have been taking place in those days and how that's different than... Our, our Western culture and how we uh, tend to do, and it just kind of opens the scriptures uh, even more to, uh, to understand that. More than once in that series, and it still kind of resonates with me, uh, uh, Dr. Ray Vanderland has described what it meant in those days to follow a rabbi, a teacher. Usually, uh, the, the, the process went a little bit like this. The children were, would grow up in, in these communities, and they would attend school and the synagogue, and they would learn the Torah, the book of the law, right? And as they grew, they learned more and more, and they would memorize parts of it, and, and they'd get a good understanding of what it meant to serve God. Everybody, everybody did that as they, as they grew up. But then at the age of 11 or 12, uh, kids had the option of continuing that education, going deeper with a teacher, or or opting out and going back to the family trade. And uh, you know, go back. You know, maybe their family were fishermen or or uh, carpenters or or farming, whatever. They would just go back. And you know, maybe they didn't have the desire to learn anymore, or or they they didn't have gifts in those areas, or they just didn't want to continue their education. So they didn't. It wasn't a problem. Uh, it wasn't shameful. Not everybody was going to go that way, and so that was that was fine. But uh, those, those that did continue on in that religious education would, would learn and study and memorize much of the scripture as the teacher explained it to them. And then several years of that, then a particular promising student would earn a spot as a follower of a rabbi, the follower or a disciple, they would call that. So that was, that was kind of the problem. And mo- most of the time, uh, when we think of disciple, I think we think about a learner, right? Someone who's learning things, uh, especially in the church where, well, first we think about Jesus' disciples, right? But then we think about, uh, we use the, in church world anyway, we use the term discipleship, uh, that usually describes, uh, our, our learning process or our, our Christian education programs. Uh, in every church of the Nazarene, there's a, there's a, a, a discipleship, uh, uh, arm of the church, so to speak. SDMI, Sunday School and Discipleship Ministries International, whether uh, from the local church on up to the, the general church around the world, we have this discipleship, and it's all about the, the learning that takes place, right? What, what we can learn. 
So, so we could look at this and we could take this to mean that the rabbi is, is choosing students so they can learn from him in order to know what he knows. And that's part of it. But the Bible time translation of disciple was less about knowing what the rabbi knows and more about becoming who the rabbi is. You see the difference? It's less about knowing stuff and more about being like. A disciple would would live with the rabbi, follow him everywhere, uh, learning at every turn, not just to gather information, but to become more like his teacher each day. Nothing else was more important than that. So that's, that's kind of a picture of uh, what was typical in that day, but let's compare that to how Jesus operated. Uh, he was indeed a teacher or a rabbi. People called him that all the time. Uh, and we know that he had disciples or followers, but, but Jesus' process for gaining disciples was a whole lot different, wasn't it? Instead of waiting to see who was qualified, waiting to see who earned it, Jesus chose people that he believed in, and he invited them to follow him. Peter, James, and John hadn't qualified to be disciples. They'd grown up in the schools, but then they'd opted out uh, along the way, and they they were fishermen, and they, they didn't have what it took, so they went back to fishing. Jesus came along and said, I believe in you. I think you could be like me. Follow me. And we learn from that that discipleship with Jesus isn't earned, it's offered. On that day, out on that lake, Those fishermen chose to take Jesus up on his offer, and they followed. And it literally, it sounds insane. They they left everything. They left their nets. They left their miraculous catch of fish. They left their family business, their security, all that they knew, all that they were used to, the comfortable, secure life that they had built for themselves, and they followed Jesus. It says they left everything. If you have the King James Version, it says they forsook all. We don't use forsook much these days, except we always use it in the wedding ceremony, right? Uh, It's what the bride and groom repeat after me uh, in in, uh, some of their vows. And forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto him or her so long as you both shall live, right? The bride and groom are promising themselves exclusively to their spouse. No one else, just them. It. It's a big deal. It's a from now on kind of moment, right? From now on, everything will be different because I'm forsaking all others and pledging myself only unto you. Only, exclusively dedicated to you. These fishermen walked toward Jesus and away from the only life that they had known and they were promising to forsake everything else and follow Jesus, only Jesus. Have you done that? I, I wonder, I, I think there are, there are a lot of folks today who would say that they're following Jesus, but maybe they're not following only Jesus, right? Can you say that you've forsaken all, that you've left everything, that you're following Jesus exclusively? When push comes to shove, who or what is determining the decisions that you make? Is it based on what makes sense? I mean, there's a place for a pros and cons list, but, but does Jesus have the authority in your life to trump the pros and cons list? Maybe, maybe you're following family or friends, or maybe you're following a political party, or, or maybe your decisions are based mainly on how you feel. Maybe you have certain opinions and they guide your steps in life. 
<laughs> I've heard a pastor friend more than once uh, say that, that, that he's told people in his church, I understand your opinion and you're welcome to it. It just doesn't matter very much. <laughs> he says, because we're gonna follow God's leadership in this and not just your opinion. Have you forsaken all so that you are following Jesus? What do you need to leave behind if you're really going to follow him completely? These disciples forsook all and it was a process. They started on the, on the banks, right? Cleaning their nets. And then they pushed out a little from shore. And then Jesus says, I want you to go deeper. And, and they did. And, and he did miraculous things in your life. And then he said, come follow me. From now on, everything's gonna change. And they went. Jesus loves you. He believes in you. He wants you to follow him. He, he thinks that you can be like him. So... <laughs> As we read a story like this, we don't just observe it and say, hmm, that's interesting, great story. Now let's go have lunch. That would be observing. But how can we put ourselves into that so that we become followers too? We have to ask ourselves the question, should I stay? Or is Jesus calling me to go? In what areas of your life is Jesus asking you to trust him and follow. Father God, we pray that you would do your work in our hearts this morning. I pray that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, and, and most of all, that we could be in tune with the voice of your spirit in our lives. Lord, we surrender to you. We pray that you would do what you want to do in our lives, that we will follow you. Lord, I, I pray that from now on, we could be described as followers, disciples. We're chasing after you and whatever you want to do in our lives as we surrender to you. Lord, I pray that as we go from here, that, that we can go rejoicing that you go with us, that we can go knowing that, that your spirit lives inside of us and leads us where you want us to go and, and we will answer with a hearty yes every time you tell us to push out into deeper and deeper waters. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.